Tonight on Full Circle, we will be exploring poetry. Yes, indeed, we will be spending the hour with some people who create it, as well as those who help make it available to us. My co-host, Zakia, talks to Bay Area poets Jim Martin, a.k.a. The Announcer, and Chuck Wadi, and we get to hear some of their poetry. And in the second part of our show, I sit down and talk with J.K. Fowler, founder of Nomadic Press, and M.G. Sparrow of Timeless Infinite Light to independent Bay Area publishers who are responsible for putting out some amazing Bay Area poets. All this tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts, Yo Soy Josiah Luis. And Zakia G.E.K. Part. Stay with us. to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine. And we're your host. I'm Zakia G. Capehart. Yo soy Josiah Luis. Tonight on our show, we're spending the hour with poetry, listening to some local poets, as well as discussing some of the aspects that go into publishing and putting out poetry in this day and age. Now, before we go any further, we would like to take a moment and acknowledge those out there protesting during this National Day of Action. Mm. Our love and prayers go out to the, the spirits of our departed young brothers and sisters and their families. Please join Full Circle on Friday, July the 22nd. That's next Friday, folks, when we will explore and talk in depth about the police killings of our people and, and how our communities are dealing with this and fighting back against this day, today genocide. Simon Kasi, Zakia. Not all our brothers and sisters out there giving voice to our pain and frustration. Muchas gracias. And por favor, stay safe. So, Zakia, now since this is a show about poetry, how about we have some? Okay, Josiah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about the guests that you have next to us that you've brought in tonight? Oh, yeah. So, we're going to start tonight's show with a conversation with poet Jim Martin, a.k.a. The Announcer, who is a local Bay Area poet living in San Francisco. Welcome to Full Circle, Jim. Thank you, Zakia. Glad to be and here. Thank you. You are also joined by, we, uh, we are also joined by native Oaklander, Jaquati, who states, and I quote, I am a Oakland-born sister who lives and writes in Oakland. I've been here since 1915, or rather, my genes have. <laughs> so, Jaquati has been a dancer, a singer, and of course, a poet. She's currently a member of Cousin Zyka's literary group. Welcome, Jaquati. <laughs> and thank you both for being here on Full Circle tonight. Thank you for thank having you. me. Well, I'd like to start out uh, with Jim. Uh, Jim, I would like to hear a, a short poem. 
A short poem. I'd be glad to... Now, how, how short are we talking about? <laughs> 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 uh, I got to tell you, I'm not necessarily known for my brevity in, in, in my work, but but I'll, for you, I'll do it tonight. Oh, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> ju- just in honor of, as, as you both mentioned, those out in the, in, in the streets tonight and protesting so many of the things that trouble our community and, and shorten the bright future of our young people, uh, let me just read. This is the shortest I can get. And it's not even, I haven't, I've never gone to the trouble even to name it because it speaks for itself. We stood silent for so long that right became wrong and wrong became right. Wow, concise and yeah. directly to the point. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it, that. It really is. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about how you began as a poet, but before that, I, I, I'm really curious about the AKA, the announcer, yes, and I your name. Hear about that as well. <laughs> so, I want to <laughs> yes. hear about that. <laughs> the announcer. The, the, and and, and uh, I'm glad to be here tonight. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the announcer, that nickname came as a kind of a stage name. And Jaquati and I both were uh, involved over the years uh, uh, in a place called the Poetic Groove. Okay. And uh, over time, I became one of the, uh, the, um, the hosts, uh, a trio, uh, two women and, and one guy. And it was me. And, uh, but I've been on the microphone all my life, everything from church to to singing and the choir and and, and vocalizing and and uh, doing programs and shows and that's just what I do and so uh, as I was looking for a, a a poetry moniker, I said the announcer sounds good to me. <laughs> that's very appropriate. That also answers how you began with your poetry, huh? Yeah, it 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 really does. And and uh, you know I've been writing poetry for most of my life, but but not with any frequency. You know, a little piece here every few years and so on. Uh, but um, probably almost twenty years ago, now my my marriage of thirty some odd years broke up, and 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 I was looking for healing, mm. and uh, and I. I, I found this group of people, uh, Jaquati was one of those folks back in the day, uh, who was doing that work, and, and I just began to bring some of my things out. Uh, uh, no, else, no one else knew that I was hurting, but it, it, it was my therapy. And and as I began to heal, I was I, I was began to be infected by the by the spoken word bug, and I just continued to do that. Okay, so beautiful. I'm so glad that you were able to heal, um, and with your writings, and I find yeah. that is a very very lucrative way that a lot of people are able to heal. Poetry can be mm-hmm. very healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. So Jaquati, we'd like to hear uh, one of your short poems. A short poem. Okay, most of my poems. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> are short. Okay. <laughs> I have trouble being long. Um, <laughs> I didn't have time to really write to to speak to um, the recent killings, um, but I do have pieces that talk about um, justice and injustice. So I brought some of those. Okay. Uh, this one's called Choo Choo. In 1969, at... Tassafaranga Park, we posed for the photo with March Fung Yu in front of the choo-choo, a giant toy train or a miniature of the real thing depending on how you look at it. This was before there were any dwellings there, before it became a place where people lived and dealers dealt 
before it was given the title Projects. Two small brown girls, one tall yellow woman. We were in our raggedy play where she in a suit. We pose for the camera. We didn't know why. Hmm. Okay. Very beautiful. Thank yeah. you. And not so short. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> and so I would like to hear about your beginnings, Jaquati. Um, similar, um, similar to James, um, I lost my father, who I was really close to. Um, and I, I went to start, I started reading, I started writing <laughs> some poetry and some stories. And um, I was living in L.A. and that was kind of my healing and um, my survival thing. My father was an artist, so it just, it felt appropriate to to express that way. And um, I haven't stopped since then, and that was 1994. Okay. Well, that was also a way of honoring your father. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I would like for you both to, to talk a little bit about how how you write like what do you write about um what inspires you i guess i want to know what inspires you to write um kind of the same thing my dad inspires me his music um so i try to make my poems musical or rhythmic Hmm. um um, mostly i write about family uh, family stories that he gave me that my grandmother gave me um the other side of my family gave me that I've collected and then I just turned them into poems. Mm-hmm. It's oh. a way of, I guess, writing down our history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really a great way. And Jim? For me, I, I write from w- whatever impresses me. Hmm. It could be a conversation. Hmm. Uh, someone says something that I think at the moment is profound and then it grabs me and said, hey, that's a piece. I can, you know, I can write that. Um, I've always been a, a public advocate. I was an advocate in our communities before um, I was a, a spoken word artist. I'm, I'm formerly regional director for the NAACP for the Western United States. That goes back a lot of years, mm-hmm. maybe a hundred or so. But uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's still on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I was watching it okay. the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, so I'm not gone yet. Uh, no, but 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 just just the power of the things that happen in our communities and impress me. Uh, um, good relationships impress me. Uh, wanting something more and something better. And then I'm impressed by beauty. The mm. beauty of uh, romances. The, the just the the beauty of relationships. N- not necessarily intimate. Just, just people coming together. Mm. Uh, they impress me. So, and and I also get impressed by my anger at, at what mm-hmm. goes on around. And so I try to write. I, I, I tend to write from all those different vantage points. But mostly, I love to let the music talk to me. As Jaquati said, I uh, I'll listen to some jazz, uh, jazz or, or blues, and, and 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 I just hear words in the music, mm-hmm. and I commit those to 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 my spoken word. Okay. For those of you just uh, tuning in, we're having a conversation tonight with uh, poets Jim Martin and Chukwadi. So, uh, since so far, so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and so it sounds like the both of you have been writing for like, what, 40, 50 years? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I've combined been, quite a, quite a number of decades. Uh, as, as doctors practice, we've been practicing for a while. Yes. So, so. Uh, 
So, you know, this uh, past couple of weeks, there has been so much tragedy in the news. The Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, the uh, Dallas police and the, the literal blowing up of the suspected shooter. Yeah, Micah, Micah Johnson, who was actually in the, in the military. He was, he was a veteran. And so, and there's so much inspiration with our young people, uh, generations and cultures coming together. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and so I'm just wondering, you know, the role of poets. I mean, there's always been poets uh, attached to the civil rights movement, um, now the Black Lives Movement. And, you know, it's, a, it's another way a lot of people get out there in the street, you know, protesting. But there are lots of people that don't. And so there are so many ways that we can protest. And poets protest with their pen. Yeah. Yeah, and with their words. So um, that's why I'm appreciating the both of you so, so very much. And, and I just wondered if, um, if you, either of you wanted to speak on that. From... From what I know and from from history, as far as I as my as I understand, poets and, and other artists have always been critical uh, elements in making societal changes, mm-hmm. um, and and they've all also been been very uh, important in in, in uh, ticking off the powers that be. Uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> they make people really angry. There have been you know societies where um, the authorities have gone after the artists to shut them up, the writers and and the, even the painters because. Because they express things that that uh, the, the powers don't necessarily want out there, but uh, and that's why uh, civil rights and our rights are so critically important. Because some things have to be said. Mm. I may not want. Absolutely. I may not agree with you, but I don't want to shut you down because if I shut you down, I shut me down. Mm. And there's so much that has to be said to try to create change in in, in our world. And 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 when the when. Everything else seems to fail. The artists seem to have have a perspective that that is not really out there, and so I, that's why I'm glad you all are giving us the opportunity to be on the mic and mm-hmm. and share some things tonight. Mm-hmm. You're so very welcome, Jaquita. Did you want to chime in on that? Um, the only thing I've I've always heard and and, and suspected is that artists and poets were kind of on the front line. We'll, right. we'll sing what the struggle is about. We'll do poems about what the struggle is about. And it's kind of dangerous. Um, but it it's worth it because we need to contribute too. Everybody needs to express what they're feeling. And it's it's a privilege to be a voice for, um, for change and a voice for the struggle and a voice for the anger that's coming out. Absolutely. In, in, in many ways, I, I think... The artists uh, and, and spoken word artists, particularly, are, are the. Let me say, uh, the, some of the underrated leaders, and mm-hmm. some of the, the way we, we provoke the thought and keep th- keep thoughts alive, even though they're not popular thoughts. Mm. Uh, but some things that we have to talk about when it's not always politically correct mm-hmm. to do it. Sometimes you know the the artists will bring things up and and talk about situations that impact our lives that everybody's trying to say uh, you know don't say anything <laughs> you know. But but there but but when someone when the whispers are going around, we say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easy 
easier to digest too. Sometimes it's easier for people exactly. to hear it through a poem or mm. a song. So it, it sometimes it slows them down and and makes them think, where as opposed to just having a conversation. But when it comes through music and it comes through poetry, sometimes it, it sinks in. It gets to their heart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's that's very true. And and I also see a lot of healing, healing with poetry. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. a way to confront it and actually heal from the experience. So I was wondering what advice would you give to uh, poets just starting out? Um, What I thought about what has been my greatest experience is um, collaboration. Um, I've met so many people through poetry, through hosting it, through performing it. And when we come together and perform together, it just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's the best feeling in the world. And it's just, you know, you, you learn about someone else's style. You learn about someone else's story. You make a friend. There's so many advantages, and it's, and it's a better piece sometimes when you bring three or four people together and, and combine the poetry. I, I find that to be the greatest thing. That's so very true. Well, you know, I want to hear some more of the uh, poems from the both of you. So, uh, let's see. Jaquati, do you want to share some more at this time? Mm. You want to go, Jim? I haven't quite decided. Okay. Sure. Um, I've got a piece that I think might can make people on both sides of this equation upset from time to time because sometimes we have to call it, you know, we're, we're dealing with violence in our communities and in, in, in our world in, in a major way right now. And in, in the African-American community where I've been working all my life as an advocate to keep our people safe and, and uh, to the extent that we can, we, we look at black-on-black crime, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our own communities. And we can't turn our—we cannot be incensed when, a, when someone else kills someone in our community and, and not incensed when it happens among us. Exactly. You know, we, 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 you know we, we've, huh. we've got to—it's it, either wrong to take a life or it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever does it, you know, whichever way it comes. And so I, I, I kind of wrote this from an experience that, that, that had uh, back in uh, maybe— uh, it's been a while ago, but from San Francisco after a uh, shooting took place and being very aware of the fact that sometimes the the society and the police department, the law enforcement, treat different homicides differently. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I call this uh, until a cop went down. Mm. Were you there? Did, did you see? Did you hear? Did you read about it? What, what went down right before our eyes, it suddenly became a police state over on the black side of town. Did you see it on television? Hear it on the talk show? Did you read it in the paper? When the cop was shot over in the black hood, the whole situation became a brand new caper. For months and months and months, young black people were getting shot to the ground. More than 30 incidents, but it didn't mean a damn thing to the powers that be until a cop went down. Then all hell broke loose. You should have seen and heard the excitement all around town and down at City Hall. They immediately employed a whole new different response than when someone was only shooting and killing y'all. This time someone had done the unthinkable and killed a cop. And now the cops are finally saying this violence has got to stop. Now all the people dressed in blue Mm. pinned on their badges, wearing plain clothes and driving unmarked cars and black and whites. They got a new stride and, and, and went to work with urgent pride. The chief said, rope off that side of town. Now we got a real homicide. 
because a cop went down. They seemed to say that when all the young black people were being shot to death, it was nothing but a shame. They only got themselves to blame. Those people over there manufactured their own big mess. But what do we expect from that side of town? But now it's really time to go to work because a cop went down. Make no mistake, the officer's death was an awful, awful tragedy and a shame. But perhaps the PD has its own self to blame. Because the issue here is that the police have failed to treat every homicide the same. When black children of the hood are shot and killed every day, is it acceptable that cops respond in a much lesser way than they would if the victim were wearing a badge? That would be telling the world that the cop's life was valuable and that the black child's life is, well, just trash. Now, maybe that's not what they want to say. So let me say it in a different way. If the good officers had responded to the first child and youth murders with the same sense of horror, maybe the whole rash of shooting would have quickly been over. And if they had responded with the same overwhelming and continuous force each time a criminal's bullet caused a young citizen to fall, then the total number of youth murders in our cities and our streets would be far less. And maybe no cop would have ever been shot at all. However, when our youth are shot down, it gets all around town that the cops don't have enough resources to resolve every single incident. Yet when a cop went down, a massive police force suddenly covered the ground, and in a day or two, the shooter was found. Then the cops became marchers and protesters and advocates. They said, we really don't want to rush this, but we've already brought this perp to justice. You've heard the news. You know we've done our very best. So now that it is that he is in our jail. We demand that he gets no bail, and we will not rest until his ass is put to death. Well, I suggest we all consider deeply what has really created this mess and fix it. So, to help rid our community of this murderous strife, it's time the cops addressed what seems to be their double standard towards the value in a human life no matter what color. They must resolve to consider each human life to be as precious as the other. Our communities are asking, can we ever expect that our children and families will live in our city and be safe and sound? Well, you may think what you might, but as we approach, as we approach another night, please hear this truth wherein an answer must be found. For if the death of an officer is allowed to be the key for prompt action to trigger, then it doesn't take much for anyone to figure. So I now proclaim it loudly as I must with shame and not proudly. Yet the truth is this. None of us can afford to wait until another cop goes down. Hmm. Wow. That is... That is a wonderful, wonderful poem. And, yeah, a lot of folks should get angry because anger, you know, puts some fire, fire to the butt. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's what I I try to do with with, with some things. And and that's, you know, you haven't done anything if you haven't touched anyone. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have uh, one minute, and I want to hear something from Jaquati. Are you ready with that? Sure. Mm -hmm. Why? 
Why don't we have a say about the way our people are portrayed on the news today? Why don't we have a say about what stories are told about our people on the news today? Why don't we have a say about the negative, the degrading, the harmful, the lopsided stereotypes designing the way America perceives us and in turn treats us displayed on the news today? Why don't we have a say about the way the black, the brown, the olive, the tan, and the tan man and woman are depicted on the news, on the airways today? Why? Why don't we have a say? Hmm. Very beautiful. Yeah, and I like the, the singing in the poem. Really nice. So I want to hear, um, yes, Jaquati, could you give uh, the audience information on how they can contact you? And then after Jaquati, if, uh, James, if you would do the same. Sure. Uh, sh- sure. Um, best way to contact me is through my email. It's uh, jaquati at yahoo.com. That's J. O K like kite, W A like apple, D like dog, I like ice cream <laughs> at yahoo.com. All right. <laughs> and f- for me, you can, uh, I can be reached at poscomnet, that's P O S C O M N E T, at hotmail.com. Okay, thank you. Um, So I just want to say that community radio is a way um, for the community to tell their stories from a grassroots perspective. And uh, I am so glad that you're both here on community, on KPFA's uh, community radio today. It's a very important thing that... um, that's happening with uh, your poetry. And thank so, you. again, I want to thank you both for coming to KPFA. And um, we will, at this time, I believe we have... Um, well, we're going to take a short musical break and hear a little bit of poetry by our own Zakia. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to be joined by two people who are responsible for putting out those wonderful books of poetry that we love so much. We're going to be joined by J.K. Fowler of Nomadic Press, as well as M.G. Sparrow of Timeless Infinite Light, when Full Circle returns after this short musical break. Please stay with us.
noches zakia that sounded amazing that was a uh, dear listeners if you've just tuned in you just heard my co-host zakia performing her poem entitled phyllis with the bryant bowling quintet and that bass baritone vocalist you heard singing was her husband bryant bowling that was from their cd entitled love will find a way well, thank you so much, Josiah. And for those of you just tuning in tonight to Full Circle, we just spent the first half of the show featuring Bay Area poets, Jim Martin, a.k.a. AKA the announcer, the announcer <laughs> and Poet Jaquati. Yep, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Now, before we go, get on to our next two guests, Zakia, uh, I just wanted to take a few momentos to announce to our listeners about a very cool event happening next week over at La Peña Cultural Center. Um, amazing, amazing show called the Zapotec Mushi and Contemporary Performer. Uh, that's the title. It's a performance that deals with an aspect of Zapotec culture, the Mushi identity which includes homosexuality and same-sex marriage as part of traditional Zapotec indigenous society. In this particular presentation, the Zapotec man-woman is portrayed through dance and invites the spectator to participate in the female rites of passage. This cross-dressing performance interweaves ritual dances with autobiographic passages in order to challenge the widely held view of a gay-friendly indigenous culture and points towards the existence of lives that negotiate pain and loneliness with self-affirming pride. This event, Lucas Avendado's Zapotec Mushi, takes place next Friday, July 22nd, from 8 to 10 p.m. at La Peña Cultural Center, 3105 Shattuck Avenue, right here in Berkeley. Yes, that's going to be something to worth, worth, worth checking out. So um, if you're just tuning into Full Circle, the theme of tonight's show is poetry. And uh, earlier we had two amazing poets on, but now we're going to switch poetic gears a bit and go to uh, listening to the poets, to talking to some of the people who publish those books of poems that we love so much. Our next guests are part of our vibrant and unique Bay Area literary scene. Por favor, welcome M.G. Sparrow of Timeless Infinite Light and J.K. Fowler of Nomadic Press. 
Welcome to KPFA, guys. Great to be here. Muchas gracias for coming. It's welcome. Yes, yes. Yes. All right, now I'm just going to put this out here right now. Now, I'm ashamed to admit this, even as a bilingual bibliophile, but to me, the image of a book publisher always brought to mind a kind of cold academic workspace, you know, stuff with very literary, stuffy, affluent types made fun of in like kind of 70s Woody Allen films, you know. <laughs> that image, by the way, which was completely destroyed when I visited each of your guys' publishing spaces. Uh, I mean, they're completely, completely against the norm of what I would thought. Could you, could you start out our conversation by telling us a bit about where, you're, uh, where your space is located? JK, why don't you start with Nomadic Press? Yeah, sure. So um, Nomadic Press is located, the Oakland branch is located in uh, Fruitvale, Oakland. Um, and one of the beautiful things about Fruitvale is all the social movements um, for people of color that came out of Fruitvale and are still active in Fruitvale. I mean, Oakland in general, of course, but um, mm-hmm. Fruitvale in particular has a long history of that. Um, and being surrounded by working, you know, working class folks that, you know, we we identify with as, you know, poets and writers. <laughs> and um, it's been great to, to find a home there and, you know, build a, build a community yeah. of, of writers and artists there. Yeah, it's the Fruitvale. I mean, you're right next to like the, the, the auto body shop, you know, and the taqueria and, you know, and, and the, yeah, it's a, it isn't where most people would think this is going to be a publishing house, you know. But and, and you mentioned this is the West Coast uh, Nomadic Press location, right? Isn't there a... Yeah, so we started, um, I started Nomadic in 2011 in, in Brooklyn, New York. So we still have a spot over there and we do a lot of stuff in, in Bushwick. Okay. Um, oh, Brooklyn. We also want to mention that, you know, there were so many... Great. I spent, I lived in Brooklyn for over she, 20 years. Brooklyn, right, right here. Yeah, oh, yay, Brooklyn in the house. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I mean, to your question, like Eastside Arts Alliance does amazing work yes. um, in that area as well. Um, the Unity Council and the, and the work that they're doing is is amazing as a nonprofit that's been working for 50 years. So, so it was very purposeful. You you chose that that place because of that legacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and MG. Uh, 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 Timeless Infinite Light is located uh, uh, in the Omni Commons. Yeah, we're located in the Omni Commons building in North Oakland, which is a radical community center that's comprised of a collect- like collective of collectives, yes. pretty much, um, all sort of sharing the space and trying to keep open this common space where people can go where and not have to participate in capitalist exchange in order in order to meet and to commune and do radical organizing or have events. What can you talk about some of the things that Omni Commons does in addition to the there, there's the press? so much. Um, we I mean even within the studio that the that Timeless Infinite Light has, we're sharing our space with Dorga Press, which is another press that's located between here and Colorado. We had been sharing our space with Publication Studio, which is an art crazy publishing endeavor um and we're also now recently sharing our space with chapas support committee which is which is a u.s based organization that works with the zapatistas to do sort of support on the ground here and also women's global strike which is an international feminist organization that's all under one roof (laughs) well that's all in our one office (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing and then there are a number of other groups um pseudo room is a hacker space um uh, public Bay, Bay Area public school is, you know, like free classes and 
mean, like, you know, organized grassroots style. Oh. People sign up to teach classes. People sign up to take classes. It's, you know. So we, what influenced you? Um, no, no charge. <laughs> what, was, what was the motivation for going there? I mean, obviously all the activism and things going on there, but was there a reason that you, you picked it? Well, we helped found it, actually. Oh, you, okay, so you've been there since the <laughs> very beginning. We've been there beginning. since the very beginning. Actually, push your mic a little bit. Yeah, okay. A little closer. Yeah, that's right. perfect, perfect. So, and... um. So let's see. So that's that 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 kind of what I'm saying. That kind of goes against the image, the traditional image of the publishing place. You know that you guys, they're very vibrant, vibrant spaces. I mean, I've gone to a couple of readings at Nomadic Press, and it's just it doesn't even feel like a an office or something. It's this very warm environment surrounded by books and bunny rabbits and and, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, um, really comfortable to us, chairs. Sunrod right Delaney, yes, yeah. there is a literary bunny rabbit at Nomadic Press. For all of you that don't know <laughs> this, so. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's, that's for sure. Um, and let's see here. Uh, what are some of the other events that Nomadic Press does, JK? Because you do so many things, they kind of spill out into the community, right? It's not, it's not just at the at the at the place. It's where where, where other events you hold. Yeah, so we do uh, Friday night events regularly, seven to nine. There's one going on right now with uh, Charlie Getter and Ingrid Keir and Kevin C. K. Lo. Um, tomorrow we have. Uh, a show in the Beast Crawl, which is the uh, you know the, the East Bay Literary okay. Festival, um, okay. which is an amazing festival. It runs from five to nine p.m. tomorrow, um, and there's something like thirty-seven venues and wow. hundreds of writers that are going to be reading. So, and you helped promote that too this year, right? You were part of that. I was part of the organizing committee this year. Yeah, yeah, but that was started five years ago um, by a savvy group of uh, East Bay folks, actually folks from Fruitvale. Ah. Um, yes. A few of them. Um, but we work a lot with Department of Make-Believe. We work with uh, Awaken Cafe. We've worked um, in spaces in San Francisco. Uh, you know, we do a lot of organizing in, in Brooklyn and in, in bars and art galleries and uh, public spaces. Um, so, yeah, kind of... Well, it's that wonderful aspect that you have these things represented in places that you normally wouldn't often associate with poetry, you know, and that makes it accessible. I mean, it really does to, yeah. to people that often wouldn't even be thinking about it, you know. It's true. Well, for those of you just tuning in, uh, this is Full Circle, and tonight we are speaking with J.K. Fowler of Pneumatic Press and M.G. Sparrow of Timeless Infinite Light, two uh, independent book publishers. So, uh, let me just ask you both, uh, what since we're talking about book publishing, what are the qualities or are there even any qualities that you look for in someone who you're considering for publication? So let, let me start with you, um, MG, because by the way, M MG is Timeless Infinite Light has published my absolute favorite book of poetry of the year. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> Angel Dominguez is a uh, black lavender milk is amazing, but, um, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible as it really is. But, um, you know, an aspect, um, that I've noticed with some of, um, Timeless Infinite Light's books is a sort of spirituality. I don't know if I'm even phrasing it right. That comes through some of them, and particularly in, in Angel's book. And then also in uh, the other book you recommended to me, Gabriel uh, Ojeda Sague. It's just Sage. Sage is yeah. amazing. So um, what what are some of some things that you look for in people that you're possibly thinking of publishing aspects? Well, we're really excited about poetic projects that are experimental or playful in but are also um, very critical, like, and that are resisting forms of oppression either in in their form or in their content or both. Like, we're excited about projects that are collaborative, 
that are hybrid, that are crossing genres, that are embodied, so that involve the body and are come out of ritual. And I think that might be where um, your sense of the spirituality of the work is coming from, yeah. because a lot of the writers are doing sort of somatic work and make creating these somatic rituals, and then the writing is sort of being drawn out of that space mm. of ritual and of performance and. Um, at least with um, Angel Dominguez's book, Black Lavender Milk, there was the ritual of um, placing water beside the bed table to capture dreams, which was um, from Angel's grandmother. I think, no, grandfather, yeah. Since I read that line, I've been doing that every night. It's, it's this beautiful line where they talk about sipping the, putting a glass of water near you before you go to sleep, sipping some of it before you go to sleep, and then sipping some when you wake up. And, mm -hmm. Oh, it's a beautiful line. It is. What, what about you, J.K.? Are there any aspects that you look for in, in, in publishing from the people that you publish at Nomadic Press? Well, so we definitely have a focus on emerging writers. Um, a lot of our authors this year actually are putting out their first books with us, um, yes. which is a really magical experience. Um, you know, just even the signing of the contract is like, or the publishing agreement is like pretty amazing experience. Kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we also have a focus on, you know, people of color and people from the LGBTQ community. And, um, but, you know, mostly we work with people before we publish them. And it's not to say we have to work with them to publish them. But, you know, there are often folks that are, have worked with us or interacted with us somehow um, in our events and in the communities that we're, we're trying to build and, and support. And I think that, that it gives people a context. It gives their work a context. And it... Um, almost makes it a familial uh, relationship, which is which is nice. And a lot of the work that's coming out this year um, strangely has a lot of familial relationships in it, um, particularly um, having to do with the mother. Um, and it's a, it's a strain that you'll see in a lot of our, our titles this year. But, um, yeah. Well, I think that um, intimacy of publishing is something that both of our presses share. Yeah. Oh. And I think... I don't know if it's something particular to the Bay Area, but it's something I've felt here in a very, very um, intense way that I haven't felt in other spaces that I've been in community. The writing community here is so strong and vibrant and critical and supportive of one another. Mm -hmm. And so when you were talking about um, how like the publishing comes out of the engagement in community and actually, like true engagement, either through readings or through hanging out before or after or through participating in radical struggles together. Mm -hmm. Like, it all sort of comes out of that. It's not so abstract, mm -hmm. but it comes out of those relationships. Or the real, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do, you, do you both find that you um, get poets that have not been able to be published before? Oh, for sure. So, yeah. I, yeah, I find your methods are very untraditional and that, that's so appreciating um, because, yeah, that, that's such a big need for... You know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many voices that are not being represented mm -hmm. in the literary mainstream, people of color, queer people, trans people, right. like yeah. undocumented people, people who are writing bilingual. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you both for doing this work. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, let's say someone wants to submit something. What, how would that, what's the process well, they go we're actually having a contest. Timeless Infinite Light is actually having um, a full book contest they are. at this moment. Oh, let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> yes, please, please. Um, so it's going on from, well now, from the summer solstice to the fall equinox. So if you have 
a book that's almost ready to go or that is ready to go. 40 to, you know, I don't know. I can't remember how many pages. It's on our website. Okay. Full book, you know, what that means. But we have these amazing guest judges who are just like fabulous poets who are going to be reading the manuscripts. M.G. Um, Roberts, who's a local poet. Uh, Divya Victor, who is an incredible experimental writer who lives in Singapore. Um, and Melissa Bazeo, who's a writer who lives in New York and writes these amazing somat- somatic pieces that deal with loss and grief. And mm. So the poets are going to pick the person they Yeah, the poets are going to yeah. pick the pe- people. And so the editors of the press are sort of stepping back and make, creating this space for other people to be deciding what we publish. Oh man, that sounds amazing. It so you really heard it here first, people. Yeah, if you so got a book out there. <laughs> send it in. <laughs> send it in. Yeah. That's, that's what a wonderful cool. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. So what about you, JK? We, uh, so Nomadic Press does an open submission period uh, January and February of each year. And from that, we normally call the, uh, you know, the pieces that we put in our annual journal. Okay. Um, we do get a few uh, full-length uh, collections that come through that way, chapbooks that come that way. But um, for the moment, most of our submissions come through working with folks, okay. mm-hmm. um, hearing them read, seeing them interact with the community, understanding their context and you know where they're coming from, where they want to go, and uh, and helping them do that, and bringing them on board. Nice. That sounds amazing. Um, now. Now, I know all parents uh, love their children equally, but, um, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, are there any poets? Well, sure. <laughs> That's what my mother always told me. So are there, are there some poets for uh, you that stand out who you've recently published? Anyone you'd want to particularly speak on? Start, you can start. No, me start. Yeah. Um, can I just list them all so I don't, so I don't get in trouble? Long list. I have a couple of favorites on uh, at Nomadic Press, so, but yes, please go ahead. Who, who do we so have? That have come out. That have come out. Okay. Yeah, or that maybe you think we should be keeping our eyes out for. I'm just going to read them all. <laughs> right on. Let's hear it. Okay, most recently, Music for Mussolini by Nick Johnson uh, came out, which is excellent, continues to to blow people away. Um our, our, our spring collection, which had uh, Arisa White's Black Pearl, mm-hmm. Soma Young Frazier's uh, Salve, mm-hmm. and M.K. Chavez's Mother Morphosis Yay, that was uh, is, is wonderful. Um, we have Benefits of Doubt by Cyrus Armajani coming out, um, Deer Animal, which is a full collection by M.K. Chavez coming out, Corn Woman, which is a collection of short stories actually by Yusuf Alawi. Um, and then we have our fall collection, which we do a fall and a spring collection of chapbooks. And they normally, they range from three to seven titles in, in a collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so our fall collection, uh, we're really excited about. It has uh, Raina Leon, uh, Nazila Jameson, Mashane Wynn, Peter Bullen, and Daniel Riddle Rodriguez. Mm. Um, and then next year, we have a whole slew of uh, titles that are coming out. One, Southern Migrant Mixtape by Vernon Keefe III, which is just gonna blow people so away in January that's gonna come out <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh, Fasayo Adieye Adieye um, and it's his first book it's Vernon's first book it's Fasayo's first book it's a number of these wow. it's their first book so mm-hmm. and when does the when the, when's MK Deer Animal come out what? Uh, that comes out in uh, September yeah, she's amazing I, the, yeah, yeah. yeah Monomorphosis is, is something else yeah MG, what, what about you? Who, who can we? Who can we? Who, who's that timeless infinite light recommendation? Well, last month we came out with a book called *The Romance of Siam* by Jaya Ravine. 
It's a subverted travel guide that investigates what Jai calls white love. Put quotes around that, white love, um, which is the desire white people have to lose themselves in Thailand. And so it it sort of takes the form of the travel guide and deterns it through pop culture collage, like Leonardo from the, DiCaprio from the beach is in there. Um, Like characters from The King and I are in there all sort of like scrambled together into this, this form that is decolonial and, you know, resisting the, like... It's a critique of tourism, which is the main colonizing force in Thailand. Um, it's incredible. Jai's a, Philadelphia, a trans-Philadelphia writer, um, and it's amazing. Um, one book that you already mentioned, Oil and Candle by Gabriel Ojeda-Sage, is also incredible. And I should mention also that when a I Philadelphia body, writer. You get actually. a love spell. Oh, and you get a love spell poster until we run out of them. <laughs> which at the reading, Gabrielle was like, oh, "You better I hurry this love spell it. poster." But they, you know, love spells are unethical, so you know, don't use it. Don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hung mine up, and I've been eyeballing mine for a while. But <laughs> so, yeah, you better but, get in for that poster. Yeah. But yeah, oil and candles amazing. It's also um, a decolonial text. It it. It's, in, it's written in response to sort of recent um, call-outs around racism in poetry communities and is sort of a an answer to that or a critique in poetic form. Mm. Or, yeah, or a critique of racism in poetic communities. And, it's, it's, and it also sort of explores that through um, Santeria and Gabrielle growing up in Miami and... Is it? Is that a, uh. <laughs> it's a wonderful. It's book. wonderful. Definitely. I could go on <laughs> for a while. <laughs> it sounds very interesting. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and our our most po- our most popular like best selling book is Tender Points by Amy Berkowitz, which is a sort of fragmented feminist lyric essay mm. that looks at fibromyalgia, uh, rape culture at um, sort of the the medical bureaucratic industry and and the way that it polices the body of of people who are disabled the ways in which women in the medical industry are not believed or discredited mm. their voices aren't heard and it uses that it also uses pop culture to sort of get at that like it uses like chats from forums you know like people talking like talking shit about disabled people and like uses some of that language in order to create this really well-developed critique and yeah it's amazing now the, you should all the, check it out the books are uh, available in most of the independent bookstores or do people going to have to for mm-hmm. ours, it's a lot of uh, independent bookstores. Yes. Uh, small press distribution is our distributor. And then, you know, they can order it through our website or come to our events. We normally have all of our books at our events as well. Okay. okay. You see... It's the same you for got, us. You got me in trouble because yeah. <laughs> I knew I would forget people and she's going to kill me if I don't say her name. So, <laughs> say it, say Michaela it. Mullen, our associate editor, has a book out. It just came out and it's amazing. It's called Must. Must. So. You must get Sorry, must. You must, must get, get it. You must get <laughs> Sorry, Michaela. What about UMG? Where, 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 we, where we have we a get? similar sort of small press model. Okay. We host readings. You can get our books there. You can get our books at local bookstores. Some of them, not all of them. Um, our distributor is SPD. And you can always get them through our website. We often have like sales or package deals and stuff. Can you give the website out? Yeah, it's timelessinfinitelight.com. Timeless Infinite. And what about the 
for Nomadic Press, JK. Ours is nomadicpress.org. .org. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to say muchas gracias for coming on the show and letting our listeners know about Nomadic Press and Timeless Infinite Light. Or, um, are there any anything burning on your tongue that you want to tell the listeners about? Any any events coming up that you're hosting or anything that's happening? Um, I would I would say come through tomorrow to B Scroll if you can. Um, okay. We're doing a show called Get Woke. It's at uh, Waking Cafe at six thirty p.m. Um, it has Sonia Renee Taylor, Jason Bayani, Denise Jolly, Cassandra Dallet, Joyce Lee, and there's going to be music by Azua. So it's going to be a pretty amazing show. So and that's part of the B Scroll. Come through, yeah. It's just a waking cafe right on Broadway, and it's free. So okay. great. It's Broadway and what? Uh, Broadway and thirteenth, thirteenth ish. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. MJ, anything? Come. I think I'll probably just go to that. Yes, that sounds good. <laughs> I think we'll all go to that. That's right. Well, yeah, well muchas like gracias, you for coming on the show. <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to take a very quick musical break. Or no, we're not. We're actually going to go ahead and say uh, uh, time to uh, end the show. I don't believe the hour went so quickly. We had some amazing poets on tonight. Uh -huh. And, uh, mm -hmm. Zakia, you have any parting words to say? Well, um, I, I kind of wanted to, to ask uh, MJ and, um, yeah. and JK about MG. community... MG. Yeah. Okay. Sorry if I'm <laughs> not pronouncing your name correctly. Um, but community radio is a... Um, it's a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know what you think about community radio. You know, why do you think it's important? What love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Love okay. KPFA. Mm -hmm. um, love what y'all do. Um, I think it's absolutely key to get the word out. I mean, I can't listen to many other radio stations because it just drives me kind of crazy. So mm -hmm. it's pretty much always set to 94.1. Okay. And I, I think community radio is important for the same reason that I think independent publishing is important. Mm -hmm. You have this latitude to and this room to to really have a radical critique and to really engage in issues that other people might stray away from and and hear the voices of actual people who are engaging in those. And I, I think that is what we're trying to do as a press, and I think that's what KPFA is mm -hmm. trying to do as, you know, a station. And I think it's it's really urgent. There's so much going on right now that... It's so necessary. Yeah. Amen yeah. to that. Amen well, to that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you both for that. So uh, we've been we've been visiting tonight with uh, J.K. Fowler of Nomadic Press and M. G. Sparrow of Timeless Infinite Light. And earlier on the show, we had the two poets on Chukwada and Chukwadi. Uh, Chukwadi and <laughs> and Jim Martin, aka the announcer. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, dear listeners, you heard it first here on KPFA, and that brings us to the end of our show tonight. Our executive director is Miss M. Our technical director is Free Will and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Thanks to Ron Thompson Gracias, at the Ron. controls. Okay, we have Teresa Adams, tech assist, and we have been your host. I'm Zakia G. Capehart. Yo soy Josiah Luis. Buenas noches, and thanks again to all of our guests for coming out. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us on Full Circle tonight. Stay tuned. Still cruising the barrio after all these years. La Onda Bajita is next.